What's going on, guys? AJ here back again, bringing you yet another episode of the E1B2 Collective Podcast. I want to talk about Sojo Signal, and I want to talk about transparency, and I want to talk about setting employees up for success. So um, hopefully you'll give me a moment to do that. Now, I'm, a, I'm still a big advocate, and I will always be an advocate, as long as I believe in the Social Signal brand, the Higher Ally brand, the Beyond brand brand. Um, I will always believe that a third party facilitating the mind, driving the mind to be more honest, be more direct, be more um, transparent, will always be a really good idea. I will always think that's true. I will always believe in that notion. But I do believe that organizations at times, if they're led by the right people, can create an environment where folks are equally as transparent internally if given the opportunity. So, you know, I think I've been on the record by stating many times that I believe third parties is the only way organizations can be very transparent. And I still believe that, but I think I want to do what I want to do today is I want to try to provide a little bit more context around what it could look like from a different angle and then get into the tactics of what they should be talking about. So let me speak on the psychology of the first part. The reason why I've always felt that a third party will do a much better job, that's just just a neuroscience fact. I'm a big fan of David Rock. I'm a big fan of Keith Ferrazzi. I'm a big fan of Christine Comerford. And there's a lot of teachings and a lot of learnings and a lot of information around why third parties and assessments and someone else coming in to your world can drive so much value for you that you cannot drive for yourself or for those that you're trying to inevitably impact. It's the reason why the therapy industry is such a big industry. It's the reason why the um, the neuroscience industry is such a big industry. It's the reason why so many industries are big industries. And I don't believe that enough people are really thinking about that. Sorry, guy, dog was barking. Internet cut out a little bit. Let's get right back into the episode. And so as we think about these industries and why we think when we think about the variables of why these industries are as big as they are, it's because the mind is designed to protect itself. And so if you're a head of people inside of a company, if you're a CEO of a company, if you're a CFO, a COO, a supervisor in a company, a director in a company, a managing partner in a company, someone that runs a team and has a lot of capabilities to oversee what happens within the organization. It would behoove you as you are doing your role and as you are doing your job because you care so much about the org. You care so much about the paychecks the org gives you and how you buy toys for your child on Christmas and how you put food on the table Monday through Sunday and how you do so many different things in your world. And, you know, it will behoove you to do a really, really, really good job through employer branding, through recruiting messaging, through many things to, and I'm just going to say what I got to say, BS, paint more beautiful pictures than the reality is to applicants coming in 
and to new hires in the first 90 days. And I get it. I totally, totally, totally get it. And it's also the same comparison to when you're dating someone. You ever notice when you're dating someone the first six months, first three months, definitely the first month, definitely the first date? You are painting this world through how you dress, how you talk, your vernacular, jokes, things that you talk about. You're painting this world as if there is zero flaws. And the other partner is also painting this world as if there's zero flaws because you both want to see each other in a beautiful and perfect light. And as you go on throughout the relationship, you start to extract certain things and you start to realize that this is this is not exactly what I thought I was getting into. But let me kind of play this out here. And then inevitably, in certain cases, you're willing to accept and appreciate their flaws. But then in other cases, you realize the flaws you kind of wish you would have learned about them head, you know, a little early in the process. You kind of wish they would have told you about this in date six or date three or date two rather than six months in. And then inevitably it doesn't work out. And so to get to the punchline of what I think we really should be talking about is that psychology component needs to be respected and needs to be heard. But let's assume you're part of an organization that does not have that problem. Let's assume you are a head of people inside of an org, a supervisor inside of an org, a director, an executive inside of the org, connected to a team, connected to bringing folks into the organization, and you are led by a CEO that gives you the full green light to say, be as transparent as you possibly can. As a matter of fact, we're going to make it a policy. We're going to make it a standard. We're going to measure against how transparent you are. We're, you know, I, you know, you know what I want to see, and, and if and if I ever have the opportunity to get to run a company that's much bigger than twenty or thirty folks, because you know my company right now that has about you know forty five or fifty folks surrounding it, it's 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 I'm not the main decision maker, but if I was ever the main decision maker or something else, fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty, a hundred people again, I would kind of put like a policy or a standard in place where there would be a measuring. Uh, initiative that would take take place where I would be measuring the impact and the consistency of one's transparency. I would do that. Measure the consistency and the depth of which they are driving truth. And I would do that by unpacking and seeing what they're talking about. But I would really do that by looking into the data, a.k.a. having conversations with those that are coming into the org that are communicating and talking to those folks and really getting a good sense from them how much they feel they know and how much they feel what they know is connected to what they need. And then I would really probably excuse, dismiss, train, motivate, encourage, discipline, whatever word you want to use, anyone connected to the hiring process that was not living up to the level of transparency that we needed it to go. So for those organizations that can get down with that, what I'm going to say right now is going to make a lot of sense. So let me sip my coffee. Let me stop the psychology talk. Let me get into the tactical uh, components here. So recruitment and culture expectations, setting employees up for success. Let's dive in. Question number one that you should be asking yourself as an organization that you should be driving home for your people. Who is involved in the interview process? I think lots of companies actually are starting to provide this information, but you have to provide that information, number one. Provide that information proactively. 
job descriptions, Sojo Signal type, hire ally type communications post um, post a um, post an uh, application being put in, screening calls. I don't care where you put it. Put that information in there. Secondly, ask yourself: Does the job description list only the requirements and nice to haves, or does it also unpack the competencies? that the candidates maybe don't need to know tangibly what they will be trained on. That's an interesting one. And, and, and I'm actually going through this myself. Many organizations, if you notice, if you really look at the job descriptions, they're painting this picture as if you need to know how to do every single thing to the T or have done every single thing. And we're... I'm assuming I'm probably the anomaly where I'm looking at a description and I'm like, oh, I've done like 60, but I have thoughts on the other 40. And most people are probably at the 80 or 90. There's always going to be variables where folks are not 100% either the best in the world at doing those things. Because just, just because they've done something doesn't mean they're the best human to do it. Like, let me just take something. Like, I'm looking at a senior people operations M&A executive here, right? And they have... Drive project plan and practical integration of all HR processes, policies, tech and technology with partner. Right. But not including but not limited to benefits, compensation, talent acquisition process, talent management, learning compliance, annual process. Right. They might have. And when I say they, whoever inevitably will be applying for this role, they might have done some of those things at certain points in their career. One time, two times, shit, I'll give you three times. It doesn't mean they were actually good when they did it. It doesn't mean they did that execution 100,000% correctly. And so we all need to develop and support new hires coming into the org to to help them understand the culture, to help them understand execution, to help them understand inevitably how we move and groove, to help them get up, ramp up to the productivity level of their other counterparts and fellow fellow uh, employees. And so I think it's really important to explain to candidates, look, here are the areas where we need you to be a thousand million percent perfect. And we realize that those areas should not be 12 bullet points. And then here are the other areas where we wish you, we want you to have a thought, a perspective, maybe you've done it once, once or twice, but here's going to be the trainings that we will provide. And living into a DE&I world, when we go, and you can say this literally in the job description, when we go about those trainings, we're going to learn your, your learning style and we're going to give you a variety of different um, learning and development moments contextual to what you are looking for to make sure that it really sticks. That could be said and that should be said and that should be done. So that's another one. Um, what is your evaluation process? Is there flexibility to ask questions? Controversial questions. How do you respect and, and, and appreciate controversial questions? Again, a question you have to ask yourself as an organization. Number one, what is your evaluation process? Be open to telling candidates in the screening, in the first interviews, here's how we're going to evaluate. Be open about that. Don't tell them here's how we're going to go about making the decision at a macro, but here's how we're really going to dive underneath, underneath of the hood and truly evaluate who is going to be inside of this company. Who's really going to be here? Here's what we're going to really think about. 
here's how we're going to match you guys up. Be transparent about that. Be transparent about if you are flexible when it comes to really poignant and detailed and open and honest questions from the candidate. How open to those types of questions are you? Answer that question for you. The last one. What policies do you have in place around flexibility and work arrangements? What skills are necessary for this position that are transferable and relevant to this role? That's another one. I'll say it again. What skills are necessary for this position? And then what are some other areas in life that someone could have that are transferable that you will look at as a transferable skill and relevant for this role? So when you're thinking about your job description and when you're thinking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and you're thinking about being able to market and target diverse candidates that come from different backgrounds and different settings and different skill sets and different traditional versus non-traditional skill sets, and when you think about driving transparency, and when you think about being honest, because the questions I just asked are not completely like crazy, but they're, but they're nuanced, layered questions that... I'm not seeing enough organizations presenting that data around. And again, I don't care whether it's in the job description, whether it's in the screening call, whether it's in the second call, whether it's in the first interview, the second interview, the third interview, I don't care where it is, but there needs to be certain members of the organization that are opening and willing and honest and excited enough to unpack that data. So um, here's my punchline. I'm no longer going to say that this is not possible to be done without a third party. But I will say it takes a special type of organization. It takes a special type of leader. It takes a brave leader. And it takes some structure. It takes some structure of really thinking through questions that you need to ask yourself. And be able to communicate and feel comfortable communicating for all those that are coming into the org. And realize and respect and be excited about if we answer these questions. Candidates that will be reviewing our job description, going through our process, will actually want to stay in the process and be excited about the process. That maybe would have inevitably kept moving on because now they're looking in there and they're saying, wow, you know what? Before there were 15 bullet points here that the way it looked to me, I needed to be perfect. But now I'm really seeing there's like three or four where they need me to be perfect. But then there's another 10 or 11 that they need me to just have done at certain points or have a perspective around. And they're willing to train me. And here's how they're going to go about the L&D process. And now I'm looking at that and I'm like, okay, well, I kind of know how I like to learn. I know how, what I need when it comes to development. I'll, I'll give this opportunity and this company a chance and I'll apply and, and I'll enjoy the screening call and I'll be able to ask further questions. Because the context is there, the data is there, the the transparency is baked into the job description. So now you have more candidates from different backgrounds and diversity and all these other things that are coming into your pipeline that are equally as talented and hungry. Because here's what I'll say, and I'm going through this process myself. Just because someone has done every single thing that you think they can do does not mean they will be a good fit intensity and hunger-wise. Don't forget about the intensity and hunger that you want out of your candidates. I think the business world is very similar to the sports world. You want that intensity. You want that hunger. You want that drive. 
And then I think just because someone has done everything doesn't mean they will fit how you inevitably make decisions. How you go about evaluating processes, workflows, personalities at the leadership level. You may not have what they're looking for when it comes to the next step in their career within an 18-month, 12-month, 6-month window. So when you're going through your job description you know, structures and when you're looking at your interviewing process, you have to make sure that you are willing to be transparent. Bake that transparency into your job descriptions. Bake that transparency into the process of how you're going about interviewing someone. And sit back. And watch your pipeline expand and expand with wide ranges of people that can bring surprising amounts of value that you would have never thought about before. Something to consider. Thanks so much.